This is the Steve Zabin Show. You don't know what the hell you're doing! On the Team 980 and the Team980.com. What the hell is he doing? Here he is, the Zabe. I'm looking forward to another two episodes of The Last Dance on Sunday night, and I'm going to pretend like we're not getting closer to the end of the book, but we are. Episodes 7 and 8, and then 9 and 10, and then <laughs> it'll be all over. But we can go rewatch them and uh, savor them all over again. ESPN has also pushed up a number of other documentaries. They're going to come out with, I think, three more 30 for 30s either by the end of the month of May or early June, including one about the Maguire-Sosa home run chase. Saw that tweet. Looking forward to it. So, should be fun. All right. Pleasure now to welcome on Michael Wilbon of ESPN's PTI. Writes for the Undefeated. Writes every Monday after the documentary airs. You can find him on Twitter and on Instagram at RealMikeWilbon. Mike. Good to talk to you again, brother. How are you? Good to hear your voice, my man. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Good to hear you. How you doing? Good. So you sat for the project. When you finally saw it, what was your reaction? Well, you know, I mean, it's funny. Even my son said, Dad, you know, he's 12. And, you know, all old people were at the same place at the same time in his mind. And he said, didn't you know, didn't you know all this stuff? And I said, no, you know, I didn't. Like one of the things I didn't know, Steve, and I'm sure this had to just jack people up of a certain age. Jerry Krause telling Phil Jackson, you can go 82-0 and 0 and you're still not coming back. That, like, to me, is the drop deadline of the doc so far. And it's, yeah, I'm not saying it's the most good. fascinating thing, but it was just a stunner to me. I didn't, you know, when I wasn't around every day, like Sam Smith and Mark Vanthel and the guys who covered for the, for the Chicago newspaper, Chicago media, but I was around a lot, as, as you know, and David Aldridge and I were – uh, for the Washington Post at that time, and like Mark Heisler for the L.A. Times, and you know different people. You, you know, were, were, newspapers had money, and they had NBA writers, and those NBA writers had to be what Michael Jordan was for the most part. So there's some stuff. I, I, yeah, a lot of it I like reliving. Some of it I just didn't know. Yeah, what uh, has it been fair in your mind? I know that Ken Burns has actually reached out to uh, Mr. Hayhir. Uh, is that how you say his last name? Uh, who did the documentary? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I Jason, should get that yeah. straight before I butcher yeah. it. He reached out to Jason, who's done the documentary, done a wonderful job to kind of smooth over what uh, was perceived as a bit of a rift in which, I guess, uh, Ken Burns implied that this was more of a uh, tribute film and not so much a documentary. But do you think it's been fair to Jordan so far? Yeah, I, I think it has. And I saw I saw the comments um, I'm a big Ken Burns fan, and I, I fan of like all his work. I mean, sports or not. I mean, I one of the things I've watched yeah. is the Civil War doc in this time we've all been quarantined. But yeah, I mean, look, we we knew that fair or not, this was Michael's take on everything that happened. Everybody else has had their say, right? I mean, people have written books. Um, there have been all kinds of examinations of what it is that Jordan did, represented, people did like, didn't like. This was going to be his, well, you got the behind-the-scenes film, obviously, that was taken ever, forever ago. And then Michael was going to sit and talk about everything. And to me, that's been part of it. Like, I, I know what I thought about things going in. I want to hear what he has to say because that's what we haven't heard. And unlike today's great athletes who, who are, you know, every thought they have, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or wherever it is, you know, everything LeBron's thinking, you know, everything KD's thinking, 
you don't know that about Michael. He didn't do that. He's probably the most famous person who didn't do that. And so I, I, I look forward to hearing what he had to say, and then you can decide for yourself whether or not, you know, what you think of it. And I know that's part of why he did it. He wanted to have his say in sort of how his career went down. Michael Wilbon of ESPN, at Real Mike Wilbon on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, he of ESPN. Nice enough to join us here on The Zabe Show. Team 980, 95.9 FM, Team 980 app. Michael, the Buller Eskinas chapter. Too light, not deep enough of a swim by the documentary. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, they, they obviously hit it, and it was sort of a stick and move a little bit. You know, having been around it in real time and having talked about it or listened to everybody's opinions about it subsequently, I, I wasn't as – I was never as jazzed about it as other people are in part because I don't gamble. You know, I, I don't. And I know that gambling – God, most people just play golf to gamble. I shouldn't say most. A great man. Um, I don't. And I'm just not fascinated by it. You can tell on PTI when Tony starts talking about what happens in Vegas, I roll my eyes because I just don't care. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. The, the, the crux of it is this. Here's what everybody cares about. Did David Stern and Michael have some agreement under the table that, that, that was addressing this, and it was that the reason he went away? I mean, that, that, let's face it. People wouldn't know Slim Buller if he you know, knocked on their door wearing a Slim Buller jersey. They wouldn't know. What we want to know is that. And they addressed it on and off the record in real time, and it was going to have to be addressed in this, and we see both of them commenting on it. And, you know, posthumously for David Stern, who's now been gone six months or just about, and, and Michael talking about it, looking into a camera saying, you know, I did not have a gambling problem. I had a competition problem, which is, you know, there were a lot of people who, who, who thought he had both. Um, I just, I don't, I'm not in the gambling arena. I don't go, when I go to Vegas to fights, which I did for 20 years, I would just walk through the gambling, through the casino to the, to the, to the elevators. I just don't care about it. And so I don't even have enough. I don't know that, that my level of understanding is sophisticated enough to take, take a deep dive. But for me, it was enough. For others, I'm probably sure it wasn't. There's a lot of post-game going on. You have been writing post-game stuff for TheUndefeated.com, uh, most recently about Jordan's victims. I know Zabe's going to get into that. I saw one from Jerry Bembry, and this is the part, Michael, that I know Zabe and myself and Mitch and Doc and everybody just loves. It's the side stories. Jerry Bembry's got something on The Undefeated about Scotty Burrell and Brad Sellers. We saw one about the John Michael Wozniak, the uh, blonde, gray-haired, poofy yeah. mullet, late <laughs> yeah. security yeah. guard. Like all this yeah. stuff, that's been the you know way much more way way more fun. Just you know, they're they're just little little pieces of popcorn. You go, that was the best piece of popcorn ever. The little side stories have been the best part of this. Well, I look, yes, I thought that, and I thought that in real time. So the Rodman story, you had to love the Rodman story. I mean, who who couldn't love the Rodman go to Vegas story? Mm-hmm. I knew about that. I'm going to say ten years ago. I didn't know about it at all in real time. I mean, they managed just, – just think about whether that could happen today. If a player could go to a coach and say, i got to have some time, I'm going to Vegas. The owner would have – I mean, insane. the coach would have to go to his owner, right? The owner would have to go to the commissioner. There would be all kinds of talk about whether this was conduct detrimental to the league. It, none of that happened. It, it no. just went to Michael, and they said, how do, we, how do we do this? How do we handle this? And like I said, I, I knew about it – I don't know. I think it was 2008. 
And I just remember thinking at the time, this is the greatest story ever. And look, some of the, these stories, when people knew about them, they said to Michael at the time, I, I, look, I was one of them. I wasn't the only one. I guarantee you, Aldridge asked him a half dozen times, let me put this on the record. Let me write about this. And Jordan would say, no, 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 no. People are never going to understand. This is craziness. People are never going to understand. That's how this thing built up to go as long as it did without having this stuff told. So, yes, the side stories. Wait till we get to the one. People in Washington, you guys are going to go nuts. I think they give the full treatment to the LeBradford Smith. I say I think oh boy. because I, I haven't watched them all. I purposely have not watched them all. Do I have access to them? Yes, I do. They're on my computer screen right now. I'm not watching them. I'm watching them in real time with my son. And that's how I want nice. to consume it. I'm not a millennial who's going to binge. So, but the LeBradford Smith, which everybody, you guys, we all know some of it, right? Yeah. It's all, oh, yeah. like, I talked to players like Will Purdue and BJ after they had sat BJ Armstrong, and they were like, hey, did you tell you are part of the LeBradford Smith story? I'm like, yeah, you guys had a part of it? Yeah, he told us on the team plane. I mean, so, like, I can't wait. They got to tell that whole thing. Because yeah. to me, That'll that's be the best side story of them all. Um, the Isaiah thing, you apologized to Isaiah uh, because you had said that there was nine members of the Dream Team objecting to him being on it. It was nowhere near that number, but clearly it was a couple of influential ones that stopped it from yeah. happening. My question to you is, should we hope for as fans, or is it necessary to broker some kind of peace between these great players, or That's is that just not question. possible? Well, how about yesterday with Charles talking about he thinks that the friendship – a reconciliation well, with Michael is beyond reach. And I, I hope not. Look, I've, I've stuck my nose in that one a little bit because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here in Arizona. I spend time hanging out with Charles. There's no secret, yeah. over, particularly over the last 20 years. And I know how close they have been. And I, I, that's a great question. What do you do about well, like? It seems wrong. Many basketball fans, Mike, are like, look, this is not right. I mean, Isaiah's legacy as a player should be more than just about a grudge with Jordan and, you know, bad boys Pistons. you got to let that be in the past. Barkley said in that uh, interview yesterday, he said uh, it was with uh, Waddle, Waddle and Sylvia and ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He said the guy was like a brother to me for, shoot, 20-something years. And I do feel sadness, but to me, he's still the greatest basketball player ever. I wish him nothing but the best, but there's nothing I can do about it, brother. It was when Barkley basically said the truth about Jordan as an executive with the Bobcats that he was doing a terrible job, and Jordan didn't like it, and I guess that was that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's certainly, I think, how most people look at it, and certainly how and Charles described it. I've not talked to Michael about it in a while. I know that he felt hurt by it. I, like I said, I stuck my nose in that one, trying to get, you know, hopefully uh, trying to you, sort of you tried to play middleman on that. <laughs> yes, I have tried to play middleman. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys I won't do it again, because I'm because I'm Good. tempted and less tempted between Michael and, and Isaiah. And I look, the truth is, and I shouldn't have been so flip. I was wrong for saying nine out of twelve. I, I was flipped, and I was saying something going for a line. It was just inaccurate. It was wrong. And and I, I've known Isaiah Thomas long before he knew me because I, I would go see Isaiah play Chicago. against my brother when they were like 14 years old. Right. And right. at St. Ignatius and St. Joe's, we went to rival Catholic high schools. And that, that one, I, I can't see that one working. I can't see that. No. I can't see that one coming about. Although, look, I, I don't know, never say never. Maybe people get feel differently about things after they Talk about it. I don't know if Michael feels yeah. different. It, having talked about the bad boy piston stuff now, I don't think I'd go to Vegas on that. 
But yeah. the question, your original question about, like, can these guys, because, like, can we all get along? And then yeah, Olsen, what do you make for... Olsen and Patrick yesterday? Oh, God, that's another one. Wasn't yeah. that hard to hear? I mean, Wasn't that hard to hear? It, it was is. for me. I mean, Patrick is one quick step in that series. So, so Oak, who I love, and Oakley has been a guy I talk to, talk to actively. Forget during his career. I talk to Oakley now. <laughs> Oakley says Patrick, he killed Patrick for what he didn't do against Michael. In that series, Michael Jordan scored in 1993, Eastern Conference Finals, Michael Jordan scored one basket more than Patrick Ewing in that series, but Michael took 40 more shots. So look how look how Patrick performed head up against Michael, and it's it's like man, like was that? And believe me, there were guys talking yesterday. A lot of text messages flying back and forth between guys of that generation saying, "Hey, where did that come from?" Like don't don't think that like current that the players of that day understood or saw that coming. They didn't. Not not the guys I talked to, and I, I sort yeah. of communicated with quite a few. So man, that's you, a great question. I don't know if there's an you, answer. I don't know. Do you feel uh, – how do you feel Jordan would fare in today? Have you weighed in on the silliness of what would Jordan average or what yeah. would he be yeah, like he in today's like game? 45. I mean, he had no arm bar in his back now. Right. You he can't no – like today you can't – you're right. You can't arm bar him on the perimeter and you can't no shoot him out of the sky like right. an aircraft <laughs> like, like they did back in the 80s. You'd have seven guys fouled out of the game. That's right. And what, there's one thing I, I – I don't, I don't think this is my original thought. I wish I knew who to credit with it. But, look, I'm one of those people who thinks LeBron James is already on my personal sort of Mount Rushmore basketball. And Kevin Durant, while he's not going to wind up there, he, he, he could wind up as a top, I don't know, 10, 12 player, 15 of all time. But here's the, here's the problem. With, and I, I told Isaiah Thomas this in one of our conversations during the week. I said, Isaiah, I'm not buying that these guys would have dominated the 80s and the 90s. First of all, they couldn't have beat your Pistons. But second of all, if they were so great individually, why did each have to go team up with a guy who already won before he could win? LeBron couldn't win on his own. He had to go team up with D-Wade, who had already won. Kevin Durant couldn't do it on his own. Well, forget on his own. He's playing with Russell Westbrook. He, he couldn't get it done there. He had to go play with guys who had already won one. Three guys. And so, like, if they're that great, if they're going to dominate, then why couldn't they win one on their own? And, I, and again, I, I, I sort of hate the conversation because it makes it seem like you got to go after somebody to make your point about Jordan or about Stockton or about Magic and Bird or Charles or Patrick Ewing. No, I think all those guys would be great now. I think the guys who played then were tougher physically and mentally because they had to be. You had to be physically tougher. Guys now don't face that kind of physicality. And by the way, the game is probably better for it. It's better visually. It's better aesthetically. But the fact is, LeBron James has not had an arm bar in his back for 17 years. If he had it, he might still be the player he is now. I, I'm not going against LeBron, but I'm not, I'm not saying that LeBron and Kevin Durant would dominate today's game when they couldn't win. With By the way, each one of them had a hall of – well, LeBron didn't have all the fame teammates in Cleveland, but Kevin certainly did. He had a Hall of Fame teammate in Oklahoma City. I love Kevin Durant. But, you know, I think some of this is just to this notion that they're superior athletically. What point guard today is superior athletically to Isaiah Thomas? Maybe Russell Westbrook? Okay, maybe. But I tell you what, he ain't superior when it comes to judgment on the court at the end of important games. Is he better there? No. So I, I'm 
I've been watching all this stuff courtside um, for 40 years. And I love the, the product they're playing today, they're putting out today. Love it. I am devastated that we're not seeing playoff games right now. But I ain't going to tell you that these guys are better than those guys. Well, if we see them in August, we'll still be happy. It would be, you you think we will? Dave, you think we will? Yeah. Oh, that, do I think there will be playoffs? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting into that. I don't want to predict nothing at this point. I'm hopeful, that's all. And you know what? I'm Even if it is in a sterile, if it's in a sterile, fanless environment, I won't like it at first. But you know what? I don't take anything at this point. We'll take it. We'll t- I think we're all in the we'll take it category at this point, yeah. <laughs> all right, very good. Mike, good to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time, as always. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Michael Wilbon, ESPN's PTI, the undefeated, and also at Real Mike Wilbon on Twitter and Instagram. Coming up, if you come at Costco on Twitter with some righteous bullshine, then get ready to take the Costco horns. The DMV Sports Desk on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. With the latest brought to you by Discover, I'm Scott Lynn. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. To include your FICO credit score and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations do apply. Starts off with the Burgundy and Gold. O-line depth added. Mike Lidke, ex of the Buccaneers, gets a one-year deal. Dwayne Haskins, interesting read, and as told to for the Redskins website, all about his rookie season, says it's all about thinking positively. And what you tell yourself, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, if I study and put in the work, I'm going to pay well. NFL schedule out tomorrow night, AP noted, courtesy of a memo from Roger Goodell. League does have a ticket refund plan in place for canceled games or for those held minus fans. Shdevian Clowney's reunion with Seattle per ESPN.com, unlikely. In case you missed it, Tua with 13 retired in Miami for Dan Marino is going to wear one with the Dolphins down a level as Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, others in the SEC say they're going to be ready for football in the fall. Penn State's head coach James Franklin talking to reporters says it might be an uneven go. Says he expects a quote-unquote way inconsistent return across the Power Five conferences because of the varying state-by-state restrictions. Says, quote, I can't imagine that right now we're all going to be open at the same time. If the SEC, for example, opens up a month earlier than the Big Ten and the Big Ten is able to open up 12 of the 14 schools, if two can't open, I don't see a conference, any conference, penalizing 80% or whatever percent of the schools because a quarter of them can't open. According to the New York Times' Mark Stein of the NBA beat, Cavs, according to a team spokesman, set to make their practice facility open to players for Friday voluntary workouts. And once the league makes it official and allows facilities to reopen in states like Ohio, where shelter-in-place restrictions have been eased. Preakness reportedly to October 3rd. It was set for May 16th, that according to WBAL-TV in Baltimore. Soccer Bundesliga in Germany set to be the first in Europe back to work May 15th or the 22nd. No fans. Mass gatherings still banned in Germany until the end of August. DMV weather. Cloudy skies in Silver Spring, 55 degrees. Chance of rain late night, low to mid 40s. Tomorrow, sun comes back, low to mid 60s. Nobody's really sure what time it is these days. Just make sure you're waking up with our buddy Kevin Sheehan, 6 to 9 a.m., Doc and Galdi, 9 to noon. B. Mitch at noon. Zabe takes you home 3 to 7 on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. More of the Zabe Show on this Wednesday. We are live from the 95.9 FM Team 980 studios. Zabe, back to you. What do you think enrollment will be down at colleges 
on average, even if it looks pretty good and most of the campuses are open for normal education? 10%? Just because so many people are out of work? That would, would be my ballpark s- guess. Yeah, I would, I'll, I'll go a little more. I'll go up. I'll say 15. Sure. So best case, colleges are down 10 to 15%. That alone is a staggering financial blow. Sure it is. Some will be, some will be better uh, positioned to withstand it than others. If they don't go on campus, and you and I both have daughters who are ready to go off to school, mine to Christopher Newport, yours to, sorry, I forgot, JMU. JMU. Um, if those schools try to sell parents on a virtual semester, how much more will that drive the percentage down? I'm guessing you're at 70% at that point. I think a number of parents are going to go. <laughs> this is an expensive item, and we want our kid to go off to school and meet people and go to class and talk to professors and if you can't provide that now we're going to figure something else out or 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 re-enroll them or try to go to a school that is open because there are a number of schools that are planting their flag saying we are bringing kids back on campus a lot of them in tennessee the midwest um etc etc so can a school withstand a 30 percent below financially a university I don't know, man. That would seemingly just devastate the school. And then if you add football on top of that, what that would do to athletic departments. There have been loads of pieces already written, filmed, TV reports, whatnot, news stories that a lot of the smaller schools may not be able to make it back from this Mm -hmm. for the exact reason you're talking about. Then there was the kid, or was he in Philly, Zabe? Did you see the Drexel potential class action suit where the kid's like, if you're telling me that online's an option, but you're still charging me full price, I don't want to pay for that. Right. I'll pay right. you. There will be lawsuits. As Andrew right. Brandt would say, there will be lawyers. It's almost like in economics, you don't just get to erase numbers and fill them in with what you want. <laughs> it's like, you can't just say, well, let's do this. Let's do that. Here's a shocking thing presented without commentary either way, but apparently Mayor de Blasio just said on CNN that New York cannot open, cannot open because it has no money to do so. It's a direct first direct call for the federal government to actually fund the operation of major cities like New York. Talk about a roughly $7 billion chunk of change. Okay. And then there was, what, Philadelphia a couple days ago that the mayor there said, may not be, we're not going to open up the pools for the summertime because we don't have any money. Is that still in play? I thought that was part of his budgetary oh, okay. shortfall. Yeah, no, I did you know, see that. Yeah, long, yeah. hot summer in Philly, to be sure. Yep. Um, and then you have this, apparently, for the first time in 115 years, the subway got a good cleaning in New York City. It, of course, runs 24-7. It's the beating heart of New York City. And um, for the first time in 115 years, it was interrupted, and it was given a deep cleaning. And you wonder, it's got to get – those cars have to be cleaned to a certain extent on a operating basis, right? That it, like, like When they say – you 
Right, but this is like the first good, thorough, deep cleaning of the trains in New York. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, FAN could have a new boss shortly, and that will be the old boss, Chris Olivero, Mm -hmm. who recently stepped away from the company, um, is now back in charge. They've knocked upstairs to the COO position, uh, a woman who had been the market chief in New York, so that gives him power. And according to Andrew Marchand, it could lead to the return someday once he gets out of jail of Craig Carton to WFAN. Wouldn't that could be you, could you peak imagine? sports radio, Scott, uh-huh. in which the most despicable and the sleaziest always get the most second chances? Almost by hook or by crook. It's like a crazy thing. Do your job well. Be a pro. Keep your head down. Say yes to extra stuff. Get thrown overboard at the first chance. Be a guy who bilks people out of millions of dollars. Acts like a total cocky asshat. And they're already greasing the skids for his return to the airwaves. And he's not out of jail. Yay. Radio. This is the life. We've yeah. chosen. We are yep. forgiving. I'm not forgiving. I'm saying, here's the lesson for you young broadcasters out there. If you don't get my first lesson, this is the second lesson. Lesson number one is never, never get into this line of work. Do it on the side as a hobby. Have a podcast that six people listen to that doesn't cost you. you can take all the days off you want. When you feel like you've got to get some hot takes, do that. Get a good job that pays well. Good benefits. Good retirement plan. With some mobility, you know, between companies, where you live, and mobility between cities if you want to pick up and leave, okay? That's my number one lesson. Number two lesson when it comes to this business. (laughs) I think I've already forgotten number two. What was my number two lesson? My number two lesson. Go to jail and there still might be an evening drive slot for you. The number two lesson is all it takes is one PD who really likes you. That's all it takes. And that's the good and the bad of it, by the way. It is, because when that PD is out, then you're out. But if you get one that really likes you, and this is why you should definitely suck up to them if you can, if they're the type that are like, you know, radio jock sniffers, get that guy in your back pocket, and then you could be golden. We've seen it before with other guys. But anyway. Of course. uh, Good luck to Carton. I don't know. He's he's in the middle of a three-year stretch. Little three-year stretch. I bet he's begging like crazy, like "Let me out, Corona, 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 Corona." And they're like, "No." It's in the service, at least right? they are. Something like that. He went <laughs> away. Yeah, I guess so. God bless. Yeah. All right, let me update the poll here, Scott. I put it out earlier today, and that is, uh, what is the best vintage era home sports video game? Tecmo Bowl, NHL '94, NBA Jam, or RBI Baseball? Tecmo Bowl is running away with it, like Bo Jackson. Forty-nine percent to 21% for NHL 94 and 20% for NBA Jam and 10% for RBI Baseball. Votes over 1,000 if you want to jump in there. It won't change the results, but at least you can go ahead and say, Yo Vote! Right, Scott? As you like to say, Yo Vote! NHL 94 is my vote. I voted. That is your voting. Good. Yes. Excellent. Uh, Singapore, going to welcome back, or excuse me, Taiwan. Taiwan, Singapore. Taiwan will allow limited number of fans 
up to a thousand back for uh, baseball games as early as May eighth. Uh, Taiwan reported no new COVID-19 cases yesterday. Again, we'll take it inch by inch. I feel like the coach in any given Sunday. The inches are all around us. Get them one by one, every little inch we can get, and we'll crawl our way out of this. Coming up, the birthday game, who's celebrating today next. Time for the birthday game brought to you by Lone Pronto. They currently have fixed rates with APRs in the mid-twos. It's not a misprint, believe it or not. One of the silver linings to all this, you can snag that fixed rate loan, but you've got to call Lone Pronto to do it, 571-775-1810, all digital. Don't have to leave your home. Don't have to get out of your pajamas. And they can even cover some or all of your closing costs, end up with a much lower house payment. Even flip from a 30 to a 15 with little or no change in your payment. LoanPronto.com, equal housing lender. NMLS 1661781, subject to lender approval, not all loans apply. MMLConsumerAccess.org. Jeff Walker, do your worst, sir. We are ready. Okay, so the first birthday we have is George Clooney. All right, I've heard of him. Handsome fellow. Fine actor. Rich fellow. Fine, fine actor. Tequila monster. Um... He's 60, is it? 61. One, 61. He's 59. Ay, ay, ay. Next, we have Chris Paul. Ooh. Chris Paul is 36. Say 34. Chris Paul is 35. Mm, I was trending the right direction. That's two ones, bro. I know. Next, we have Jason Witten. Witten. Jason Witten's 39. He's 36. He's 38. Ah, we're all around it today. That's three ones. See if you can get this one. Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Saw this. He's still alive, which is wonderful to hear. Did you see his birthday year, or did you just saw that his? Did you just see that his birthday? Was I, I saw he had a birthday. I know it's over ninety, Scott. So I'll give you that hint. Oh, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, he's 91. 92. I don't know what you saw, Zabe. He's 89. Well, then he's not 90. How about he's around He's around 90. He's 89. Around 90. Happy, healthy birthday. Say hey. All right, text windows open. 330-99-Zabe from the 910. American University student is already... Suing regarding tuition. Meaning suing from this past semester, I guess. Or suing for seven five seven or or suing ahead for the right. summer and or fall. Could you sue? I mean well you could what am I saying? Can you can you sue in America, Scott? Hey, you wanna sue me? <laughs> Why not? Me? Sue everybody. Of course you can. <laughs> I'm wondering if you could legitimately win a suit about 
this spring semester? That's all. Good question. I don't know. Tecmo was Roger Craig. Tecmo 2 was Bo Jackson. Oh, okay. I think because, why not, Scott? It's pandemic rules, meaning there are no rules. Mm-hmm. I think we got to play the Bo Jackson family guy clip where all he does is run around. It's a minute 49. We got a minute 49 left in the hour, right, Mr. Walker? Definitely so. Yes. Okay, we do. Good. All right. I still love it, even though it's a lot of visual uh, (laughs) effect. It's, and maybe you never heard this before. Maybe you never knew this. Peter Griffin plays Nintendo Tech Mobile 2, takes Bo Jackson under control in the game and proceeds to run all the way to the one yard line, then back into his own end zone, dodging guys the whole time because the programmers made Bo Jackson untackleable. If you had a basic control of the gameplay and your controller, here's how it went. Okay. We all know how much Cleveland loves Tecmo bowl. So let's start playing on the Raiders. I'm Bo Jackson and hopefully he'll show up. <laughs> That's no fair. Bo Jackson's too fast guys. Do we want Cleveland back or don't up? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Bye-bye. See, Peter, he's too fast. You got to tackle me. It's B. You got to press B. I'm pressing B. He's too fast. <laughs> Going over here. Going over here now. Never get tired. <laughs> Change your guy, Quagmire. Change your guy. Change your guy. Giant, Peter's cheating. You're cheating, Peter. I'm not cheating. I'm following the rules. So great. It's really good. You're not really good. You just got Bo Jackson. <laughs> Bo Jackson also played professional baseball. Shut up, Joe. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Kansas City. Royals. Can't stop, won't stop. Bo, Mike, go, call, duck. And then, nope, go back the other way. (laughs) What? I didn't go go backwards to score. I'm going to run out the quarter. I'm not playing that. My controller's down. (laughs) It's like your controller's been down the whole time. (laughs) Who's Varys? You got to switch off Varys. Varys! Ronnie Lott. Pretty much anyone but Varys. Oh, no, I'm all the way back here now. I'm in my own end zone. What am I doing? <laughs> Too bad I'm not Bo Jackson. Oh, wait, I am. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go, Quagmire. You're about to tackle me. But then. Damn it. <laughs> Less than a minute. Shut up, Joe. He's going to do it. He might uh, do this. I don't know. A lot of football still to be played here. Oh, you know what I just noticed? There's 221 on the quarter clock. And Peter's like, I'm going to run out the clock. They speed up the clock in this clip, but the gameplay is normal speed. Normal speed? It's interesting. Weird. I'm hitting reset. Don't you dare hit reset. You hit reset, you're banned for life. I hate this. Joe, do you want to play? I like being this guy. I zig. I zag. A touchdown. Yeah. I won the game, and now I'm going to jump. Oh, gotcha. God, that's fantastic. Uh, it looks like Funhouse might go back to posting clips of Francesa. I saw the tweet. I didn't read the note. Basically, it's a lot of love for what used to be or what could be again. I just don't know if I'm about it. Here's what he said. Well, I don't know if I got time to read this whole thing, but it was too long for a single tweet. He said... I said I wouldn't go back to this. Mike overreacted when he banned me from posting his clips, a decision he reversed two weeks later. 
I then overreacted by letting my pride get in the way. We're both too sensitive. Big deal. But it seems like I'd be more of a fraud for turning my back on the followers I've gained due to posting Mike's clips compared to my changing my position on it. This is just a hobby. I don't profit from it. So why are you obsessed with keeping your followers? All I ever wanted to do was tweet some entertaining crap now and then. If posting Mike's clips will help give someone, everyone something to laugh about, especially right now, who am I to deprive people of that? Let me be crystal clear about one thing, however. Mike's show is awful. You can find tweets of me saying that going back two years. It's literally painful to sit through every day just to grab one or two funny clips, but it's what I do. Well, you don't have to do it. This was a hobby. This was a side hustle. It's what people expect. Just please understand that the man works only 90 minutes per day, 70 minutes after commercials, 35 minutes after the long, boring daily interview he does during the Radio.com portion of the show, which I never listened to. Coming up with a tweet-worthy clip from 35 minutes of content is not easy. Many days there will be nothing to post. As I mentioned the other day, a big catalyst for this was me getting a taste of the despicable, deceitful Colin Cowherd day after day. The grass isn't always greener when you decide to cover other hosts. Mike may be a jerk at times, but he's our jerk and then a knuckle dap. Your pal, Funhouse. Scott, I got to tell you, I am supremely disappointed in Funhouse. I don't like this stance at all. It's, it reeks of desperation, doesn't it? Like, I was somebody on the internet. I had 100,000 followers. Oh, my God, I can't give that up. Too bad. That was fun while it lasted. Best of hour coming up next.